Red Rocks Church, how are you guys? Good, good. Happy Father's Day. Can we make some noise for all the dads in the house right now? I love it. You showed up. It's your day, and you got your family to church on your day, and I applaud you. It's also Ethan's birthday. Uh, yep, that's about what I expected. That's, that's, that's deserved. It is. People always say, oh, you're so mean to him. I'm like, you have no idea the stuff this guy says to me Monday through Saturday, okay? Do not feel bad for him for a second. Preach. I already, I already am. Here we go. Um, hey, any, is anybody new? Anybody here for the first time? Okay, welcome, you guys. Love it. I'm glad you're here. Um, we do a four and a six. At the four, my hat was facing forwards. I flipped it around for the six, and that means you don't know. You never know what's going to happen at the rowdy six, man. You really don't. Anybody have uh, their Bible? Let me see. Let me see. Oh, there you go. Okay. Matthew chapter 3. If you have your digital Bible on your phone, go there. It'll also be up on, the, on our awesome big screens, too, here in a second. Um, Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. Quick side note, if you're like, I'm new to the Bible, uh, I'd love to know like where to start reading it for the first time. Matthew is your spot. Um, so just it's about, it's about three quarters of the way through your Bible. Just open it and you'll probably be there. We'll be in Matthew 3 today. Um, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen in Matthew 3 really quick, but but here's what you need to know before we go there. Um, I don't know if, if anybody in the if there's a lot of dads in the house, a lot of moms in the house. Um, here, here's the thing about these kind of titles that we wear in this lifetime. Um, you're going to wear a lot of titles in your life. You're going to wear the title of dad or mom or brother or sister or friend or engineer or graphic designer or nurse or like a grandma, grandpa. Like you fill in the blank. And I, I think about it this way. Somebody told me this recently, but those titles are are, are kind of like, like jackets in your closet, and you go to your closet, and, and you put on a jacket, and you wear it uh, for a reason and for a season. For a season, that's your title. For all of them, except son and daughter is your skin. It's like your skin. It's who you are, okay? It's your blood. It's your DNA. It lives in you. It is your permanent position that was given to you because of Jesus's perfect performance 2,000 years ago. So regardless of, of how imperfect you feel like your life has been up to this point, it actually, there's one performance that history hinges upon, and it's not yours and it's not mine. Thank God, it's Jesus's. And because of his, we now have a permanent position of being in Christ for the rest of eternity, which means you are a son, you are a daughter, you did not perform your way in, and because of that, you cannot perform your way out. All you can do is simply just receive this identity, this skin, son, daughter, is who you are. And you need to know that for what we're about to read. And so Matthew chapter 3 goes straight to verse 13. Um, here, here's what's happening. Jesus, this is before Jesus' ministry ever even started, okay, um, on planet Earth. And he's heading down to the Jordan River because he's about to get baptized by John the Baptist. Does anybody know the relationship between J Jesus and John? Who knows? They were cousins. Mary, were you here? Did you listen last service? Is that, you just, you, you read your Bible. That's awesome. I love it. They're cousins. Jesus and John, there it is. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so Jesus is going to get baptized by John, and uh, at the end of this, there's going to be this really cool exchange, not between John and Jesus, but actually between um, the Father, the Heavenly Father, and Jesus. And so here we go. 3.13, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Like, he's saying, like, I, I should be, like, I'm a human being. You're human, but you're also God. Like, I, like, who the heck am I to baptize you? You should be the one baptizing me, right? And I can relate to that feeling um, a lot, you know, just for your information. I feel like, I, I think this is one of the great privileges we get as Christians when we follow Jesus. Once again, not based on our performance, but his. As long as you're willing, he never asks for perfection. He looks for willing Christians, and you'll be amazed at the things that you find yourself doing just because you say yes to God. Things that you never in a million, like, I don't deserve to be doing, I don't deserve to be preaching this to you right now. I promise you I don't. I'm like, who the heck am I? That's what John said to Jesus. Jesus says this back to him. Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, and tune in right here. This is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. This is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. So I was a great parent until I had a kid 10 months ago. Like, like seriously, before, I, before we had Will, I, was, like, I knew exactly what parents should do. Right, And I'd be on a plane and there'd be like a mom or a dad with their kid and their, their baby would be crying and I'd be sitting in my chair sulking, thinking, try parenting. How about you be a parent right now? And now I know better, okay, because I have one. Last night I was on a flight, a late flight back to, back, back to here from Denver, and uh, there was a mom with a baby. The baby was crying, and I, I prayed for her for like 10 minutes. I never would have done that before. I, like I, I was pleading with God. God, be with this lady right now. I don't even care about the baby. I just like be with her because now I know, right? Like I get it now. Um, I was a, a great pastor and church planner until I did this. I knew, man, I was an expert. I knew all the things churches should be doing better, you know, like we all do. Like, I, like oh, you should, you should be doing that. You should be doing less of that and more of that, you know. That, that's the golden ticket, right? Like, like, oh, you're planting it that way? Why did you, you should have done that. And I was an expert until I did it. Right? And now, like, I hear rumors about other church plants in the Austin area, and I go, give me all of the information right now. Give me their email. I want to pray for them. I want to encourage them because I get it now. Right? Like, I know how hard it is. I, I, I feel like this a lot, okay, just so you know. Like, for our relationship series that we did a couple months ago, I'm up here giving, like, relationship and marriage advice, and the whole time I'm thinking, why am I doing this? Why am I, like, I need advice on this. I need counseling right now. Who am I, right? Like, who the heck am I? Why am I up here doing this right now? Like, I, I, like, I need the advice. We don't need to know what Doug thinks, right? This brings me to my freshman year of college. Um, I was Googling volunteer opportunities, and that's not because I'm, like, noble, 
that's because I was pre-med and I was like, you're supposed to be well-rounded on your resumes for med school. So, and they like it when you volunteer. So I was looking for places to volunteer and I came across this opportunity to coach a little league team in Denver. And I'm thinking, this cra- like, I love baseball. I peaked in little league actually in my athletic ability. I love big league chew. I like, like get me, get me. Uh, out on the baseball field, out on the diamond, I'm ready to coach this team, right? And so I sign up, and I show up for the first practice, and um, all, it's, they're seven-year-olds, right? And it's like the most uncoordinated group of kids I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like, how do we transform this into a championship team, right? And all the parents are like just talking kind of on the side, just watching me, wondering what I'm going to do, and I'm kind of starting to get like nervous. Okay, I was a, a pro at coaching until this moment, right? And I was like, okay, get, get them in lines, and I put them in rows, and I, like, we're going we're gonna to stretch, guys, because it's important to stretch. And so I'm like, touch, you know, touch your left toe, touch your right toe, arm circles, reverse them, The other, because like, it's important for baseball so you don't tear your rotator cuff, especially if you're throwing curveballs, which you should never do under the age of 13. It's bad for your elbow, bad for your arm. Uh, it is good. <laughs> That's a proverb. It's somewhere in there. And, and so I'm like, okay, we're doing this. And then like 15 minutes into practice, um, this car pulls into the parking lot. It's this father and son, and they're, they're late. And the kid gets out of the driver's seat, and he's the, the smallest uh, shrimpiest of all of them, okay? And he's like running down to the field with like his oversized huge glove on his hand, so excited to play. And uh, it, I, I describe the kid because he stands in, in direct contrast to his dad who got out of the driver's side and is six foot three, 235 pounds of solid muscle and a huge smile on his face, runs down to the field like all energetic for like for sports, right? Athletics. I'm like, this guy, he's just a fan. He's just a fan of the game. And he comes up to me and uh, huge hands, booming voice, big smile on his face, shakes my hand and goes, hi, I'm John Lynch. Now, okay, okay, so a lot of you don't know who John Lynch is. I'm going to tell you. He is, does anybody know? Am I? Okay, okay, good. Some of you. Okay, right now, he is the general manager for the San Francisco 49ers, but back in the day, a nine-time pro bowler safety in the NFL, okay? And this guy, like, he played with John Elway back in the, back in the Elway days, like a Super Bowl ring, and he, on the field, the fiercest, most hard-hitting safety that maybe has ever played the game and off the field, like just the nicest guy ever. And he comes up to me and he goes, what's up, coach? I was like, John Lynch just called me coach. What? <laughs> like, this is awesome. And he, uh, <laughs> he's like, he, he goes, he gets, you know, he does like the, on, like down on the knees, like this stance. He's like, what's up, coach? What are we thinking? What are we thinking? What are we thinking? Okay. Um, <laughs> Like with a straight face, looks at me and says, hey, I just, if you need an assistant, I just love to help. I just love sports. And I'm like, no, I know that you love sports. I, yeah, you're John Lynch. You're the, the best safety in the history of the Denver Broncos. Like, I know who you are, right? And I, I, in that moment, I'm thinking, Here, here's, here's the thing, Johnny boy. I didn't say that. I was like, Mr. Lynch, here's the thing. Here's my problem. Um... <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, man. I said, I said, nobody here needs to know what Doug's thinking about sports right now. Everybody here needs to know 
what John Lynch is thinking about sports right now, okay? And so here's, here's my transition like back to spiritual stuff, okay? Back to God. What every, what every father, mother, son, and daughter in this room needs to know right now is not what I just happen to think, but what God happens to know. Nobody on this planet needs to know what I think about them. We need, like maybe more than ever, we need to know what God knows about us, okay? So that takes me back, and we're going to put it up in a second, back to that final verse in Matthew chapter 3 that we just read when, when the sky kind of opens up and like the father in this booming voice, and I picture like I just have to hear Mufasa's voice, um, James Earl Jones, just super deep, and he says, this is my son, calls him by name, who I love. With him, I am well pleased. This takes me back here, because what we're, we're about to read it, but when we do, I, I want you to do something. I want you to, whatever, whatever this looks like for you, imagine your heavenly father saying this to you, okay? Because we're, we're all, we're in different uh, situations across the map with the earthly fathers that we have some of us like father's day is an amazing day and that's all like praise god for that and we stand and we celebrate with you for some of us uh for some of you father's day is um like the reminder of one of the worst things ever either dad maybe he wasn't there or he verbally abused you or or passed away and and we stand and we mourn with you Across the map, we're, we're in different situations. We do have a common denominator, though, when it comes to our Heavenly Father. All of us do, okay? All of us do. We're all in the same boat here when it comes to what God thinks. Like, I don't know your story. I don't need to know your story. I know what God knows about you, and that's all I need. It really is. I know what God knows about you. And I know that you can take this verse that we're about to read and you can insert your name into it. How do I know that? Because God the Father said this to Jesus before Jesus did anything on this planet. His ministry hadn't even started yet. So before any blind men saw, before any lame people got up and walked, before any lepers were healed, before any storms were calmed, before Jesus pulled off the greatest heist that history will ever know, before he conquered the grave, before he conquered death, before any of that, this is what God is saying about him, which tells me it has nothing to do with his worth and everything to do with just like who he is as a son, his birth, right? And so regardless of where you've been or what you've done or what you're going to do, like one day, 17 years from now, when you're going to screw up royally and God already knows about it in the future and yet in the present would still say this, what he's about to say to you, and, and couple that with the fact that in, in John 17, Jesus Christ actually is praying to his father and he says, Father, I, I know you're sending them the same way you sent me because I know you love them the same way you love me. He's talking about you. He's talking about, like, don't miss the craziness, the ridiculousness of what Jesus just said there. He is saying that the Father loves you the same way he loves Jesus. And so you put your name in this verse. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son or this is my daughter. 
whom I love. With him, with her, I am well pleased. This is who you are. Calls you by name, by name. Brandon, God's saying, you are my son. I love you and I'm proud of you. I love you and I'm proud. Samara, you are my daughter, my girl, my kid. I love you. I'm proud of you. Regardless of what happens 30 years from now, regardless of what happened five years ago, regardless of what happened two nights ago, I love you and I'm proud of you. See, we live in a time now where uh, I think more than ever people, and not just people, but like believers are asking the question, like, is God really with us? Is he really for me? Does he really love me? Um, Like maybe I've heard or maybe I've heard otherwise, and I'm just questioning the creator that I know is out there somewhere. What, what, is, how, what does he think of me? Um, and to answer that question, you, you, you have to look no further, I'm telling you, than Matthew chapter 3 and the very fact that Jesus Christ is at the Jordan River. Jesus is at the Jordan, and here's what that means. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God. Where's the Jordan River? It's on planet Earth. It's in creation. So God, the creator of everything, the alpha, the omega, the one who knows the end from the beginning, that God is hanging out in his creation. God is on earth, came from heaven to earth so that one day we can go from earth to heaven with him. You look no further than the incarnation of Jesus. That's a a theological word that sounds big and scary, but all it means is God put skin and bone and came here to get us, and that separates Christianity from every other world religion and every other belief system out there because all of those would teach, no, 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 you gotta you gotta get to God. You better you gotta clean your life up, you gotta start looking the part. You gotta pull yourself up by your bootstraps. If there's this mountain that we'll call sin between you and God, well then you better figure out how to get over it. And Christianity stands alone as the one belief system that says, no, there's this God that came over this way to get you. And you look no further than that to know that this God must be for you, must love you, must be proud of you, and wants you with him. Calls you by name calls you by name. I love you, and I'm proud of you. And there's churches all over Austin um, hearing a message like this today, right? And it's great in church, um, because I think we all know, yes, that's true. Um, But there's like, I don't want this to be like, hey, you're smarter now. You know Matthew 3. I want this to be, I know Matthew 3. I know Matthew 3.17. I know what my father, you might have had an amazing dad, maybe not. I know what God says about you. And so I was like, man, how can we make this like more real? Like this is a monologue. Like how can this be like a little bit more gritty and more of a dialogue and a conversation because maybe that would help a little bit because here's what I know, common denominator We have a heavenly father. We also, as human beings, are bad at receiving unconditional love because we all know we're not worthy of it based on what we've done and what we think that nobody else knows about. And so can we kind of come together as a family and and maybe just converse about it? And so I want to change gears right now and invite Ethan Matat. It's his birthday, and this was his one. I was like, Ethan, what do you want for your birthday? 
I want you to interview me. I'm, I'm kidding. He didn't do that. But he is. He has been my best friend for the last decade. And, best um, is kind of a big term to throw out there. Friend, co-workers. Yeah, we're buddies, <laughs> yeah. right? Hey, great. We friend. know each other. Great hat, by the way, E. Oh, do you like this? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it was a birthday gift from Doug. Yeah, happy birthday, man. I like yours. Hey, thank you, man. Happy Father's Day. Yeah, it was a Father's Day gift from Ethan. You guys like these hats? Yeah, they're great. Well, we're selling them next week for $10. Oh! Only $10? You guys are losing money on that? We are losing a lot of oh. money. It's very irresponsible, but practice what you preach, generosity. Yes, we so like you could own hats. one, but you have to bring cash. <laughs> cash only. $10 next week. That's right. All right, thank you, guys. Okay, <laughs> thank you, bro. That was so helpful. Um, okay, so <laughs> we joke around a lot because people give us a hard time because Ethan and I have done, as far as, like, the last decade goes, we've done, like, everything together, every big life transition and new thing that you can do, we've done it, like, the same time. So before we were both... Um, married, we were roommates for like five years. We traveled a lot for a whole year and always shared like the same bunk bed or something like that. And then I got married and then he got married like a few months later and uh, we forced our wives to be great friends and then decided to move to a different city. Uh, like first, before we moved, we bought condos in the same condo complex and then we moved here, we buy houses like in the same neighborhood and and uh, we take a lot of heat for it, but I'm like, hey, you're allowed to, like, you know, live by the people you love. You're allowed to do it's that. It's a healthy so, yeah. friendship. We're not codependent on not each other. Not codependent at all. But we've, it's actually been great because we've gotten to experience a lot of things uh, and, and learn a lot. We started kind of really following Jesus for real at the same time 10 years ago. And um, here's, here's what I know about both of us is we're both very... Um, unskilled at receiving unconditional love from God. And a lot of that's just based on uh, like past or being knuckleheads or I don't, I don't know entirely what it is yet. I'm still trying to understand it. But uh, okay, so this guy just became a dad two months ago. And um, imagine this, they're, hey, how, what'd they do for Father's Day at your church? Well, this guy got up to talk about being a dad, but he's only been a dad for 10 months. So he brought up another guy who's been a dad for two months. It's combined 12 a lot of wisdom. Yeah. yeah, those guys knew it. He brought in the expert. <laughs> so take notes, guys, right now. Um, <laughs> all right, here's what I've observed, honestly, too. So you've, you, you've been a dad for two months, and you're good at it. Like, there's room for improvement. There always is. Okay. So you are actually very good at um, giving Zeke unconditional love. And I know in order to be able to give unconditional love, you have to be good at receiving unconditional love. We love because he first loved us. If you can't receive unconditional love, you can't, you can't give it to people. You give it to Zeke really well, which tells me that somewhere in the past decade, you've learned at least a little bit how to receive the love from the father. Um, and so I, like, take us back to maybe when that was exactly. Teach me, please. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to speak from my arsenal of yeah. <laughs> wisdom about being a dad. Um, so I think back to the, when we started walking with Jesus around the same time, of course, because literally do everything the same. Um, the unconditional love thing, like hearing that kind of verse, put your name in there for me as well as a lot of you, I'm sure, is like, yeah, but he can't, he can't be proud of me. 
there's no way that he would unconditionally love me. Like, it's so hard to hear that and actually believe it. And so we found ourselves, uh, and I wanted to try to tell this story without referencing that we traveled for this year doing mission work. We reference that all the time. Just let us have it. It's the one cool thing we've ever done. Um, I'm standing at the airport in Los Angeles, and my dad is there. I'm saying goodbye to my dad for a year. And like basically having this conversation like, hey, you know, I'll see you in a year or maybe not. I don't know what's going to happen, but we're getting on a plane to go travel around the world and try. I'm like, in my mind, I'm getting on that plane because I want to go try to earn that God might actually be proud of me. Um, And so my dad leaves me off. The last thing my dad said to me was, you're a good man. And in that moment, uh, I had these flashbacks to being a kid because my whole childhood, every night before we'd go to bed, my dad would, my parents would tuck us in and uh, they'd come into our rooms. My brother and I, my dad would always make a point every single night to look us in the eye and say, you're a good boy. You're a good boy. You're a good boy. Between um, that time of living in my parents' home, being a kid and hearing that from my dad and that airport where he told me I was a good man, so much life had happened that gave my dad every reason to not be proud of me. And I knew that. I had done everything. If my dad drew up like a diagram for about six years of my life of what I should do, I just literally did the opposite of whatever that list would have said. And uh, I hadn't lived the life that my dad wanted for me, let alone the life that God wanted for me. I can actually vouch for that. He's telling the truth. Yeah. And some of that's Doug's fault. So... um, (laughs) So I, I, I heard that, and I get on this plane, and I start going around like on this trip with these guys, and I felt like continually challenged by that. Like, I'm trying to get to the bottom of this. I could, like, if my dad truly, like, says that I'm good, or, like, if God really says he loves me, like, could that be true for me after everything that I have done? Would that be real? And so we go into all these crazy places, and we see societies and families and individuals whose lives are broken Um, in red light districts or villages, wherever we were. And all the while, all I want to do is go up to these people who live under whatever understanding they have of their brokenness and how bad they are and go up to them just like my dad and say, you're good. You're a good son. You're a good daughter of God. You have this heavenly father. And I start to want to say that to these people. And I think over time, we realize like we feel this this for all these people because it's true. But if it's true for them, then it's got to be true for me. And I've got to take that on myself. And maybe all those years, my dad was telling me that I was good because he knew I would get to points in my life where I wouldn't believe that about myself anymore. Based on what I did, right or wrong, maybe God continually tells us over and over that he loves us, that he's proud of us, because he knows we're going to find moments where we question it. But we have that to stand on what he says versus how we feel. Right, right. And we need to own the fact that like, we've, we've both had good dads who did that and yet both of us find ourselves in positions where it's still hard to like accept and receive this unconditional love from God, which says something about the human condition. It re- and we have to own that, you know? And, and then I think, okay, there's so many people who, who don't have that also. And I think, well, what do I tell somebody in that position? But then I also, I look at your dad because I know your dad never had that. Your dad has this crazy story, and I could tell you um, other guys who have poured into my life, men and women, who have that same story where they, they never had a parent um, speak that kind of truth and that kind of life into their lives. And yet somehow something happened, like some switch was flipped, and we've been praying for that 
Like, if there's anybody in here that resonates with that, you've been prayed for this week. Like, something happens where a switch flips and you make a decision, like a conscious decision. I didn't have that, but my kids will, and their kids will also. Like, God, God, I feel like God, that's his favorite story to write, is rewriting generational curses to, like, to goodness, to, like, thousand, the thousandth generation is what he says in this book. And so, yeah. Yo, I think that... Um I've said this at weddings, I've heard it at weddings, love is a choice, as much if not more than it is a feeling. And every day you get up and you choose to love your spouse or you choose to love your friends or your kids or whatever, because uh, you don't always feel it, right? Like people drive you nuts and they do things you don't want them to do and you have to choose, I still love this person, I'm going to keep pouring love into their life. And I think to flip that around, uh, somebody like my dad made a choice at some point, a choice to receive love. See, I think that like so often we go to church just hoping every single week God's going to give us like the lightning strike of unconditional love where suddenly I finally feel fully loved by God. And yet he's telling us every single time we go to church, he's telling us in our life groups, he's telling us through our friends, he's telling us through our community, he's telling us through John chapter 3, he's telling us, or uh, Matthew, whatever, whatever chapter it was, um, he's, John Lynch, that was the confusion. Um, he's telling us over and over that he loves us. We're waiting to fully feel it when he's saying, choose to believe it. Choose to believe it today. Choose to receive love from me. You have a say in this relationship. And I think somebody like my dad made that choice and he didn't have that modeled for him. He, he just said, if this is what God says, then I'm going to stand on that. I'm taking that and I'm running with it. And he spoke life into you and he's spoken life into tons of of other people since then. And I was thinking, okay, let's go back to Matthew 3 really quick and, and kind of look at that framework. I think, and there, you know, there's more if you dig into it, but like on the surface, two things that the father did. First, he showed up to the Jordan for his son's baptism. He showed up and then he spoke life, right? And so you're talking about your dad uh, speaking life. Um, for my dad, for our dad, Ryan, sorry. My mom called me this morning and said, try to include your brother more. He's feeling left out. So our dad. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, Ryan, remember dad? Like, okay, so let's, let's flash back. Growing up, um, <laughs> our dad showed up for everything, for everything. Like, and my dad, if he was here, he would sit up here today and say, what he would probably say is, I wasn't perfect. I stand up here, and you know what I say is, he was always present. It's crazy. Like, as a, as a son, I was not after. I'm like, we, we've got our, perf our, our perfection source taken care of, you know? And I'm here thinking, like, I was never, like, now that I know, as, like, I'm older and I can understand it, I'm like, never it was, like, after perfection or no perfection. It was presence or no presence. That's, that, like, he just showed up. You know, I'm sure he would say, oh, there's, there's a lot of things I'd do different. There's a lot of things I'd say different, you know. I don't have a, a whole journal um, of, like, quotes from my dad, like, that I can, like, hey, dear diary, my dad said this today, and I can read it to you. I, like, what I have is um, I, I, I don't have a memory of a Little League game that he wasn't there. I don't have a memory of, like, a practice that dad wasn't there. You know, he traveled a lot for work and we were always sad when he left, but never scared because we knew dad's coming back in a few days. Like he, he showed up. 
And I'm thinking, I can't be perfect. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm 10 months into being a dad, and I've already been way less than perfect. In fact, I was just asked that question a few days ago. How have you messed up so far as a dad? And I was like, well, have you, you can't really do a lot of parenting, like, in our stage yet, because um, they don't understand you. Um, you just, you change a lot of diapers, and you keep them alive. And uh, when Will was three months old, I got up in the middle of the night. It was like, 2 or 3 a.m., so tired, um, and I went to change his diaper, and I let Sam uh, sleep, you know, and you just, you love your wife how Christ loves the church, and I just, I'm just trying to emulate that. <laughs> she does it she way just, more She just me. threw up over there. I know, there, she yeah. did, yeah. <laughs> and um, she's like, give me the microphone. Um, and if, if you've had... Uh, Boys, or if you're a nanny, I'm preaching to the choir here. If you, if you haven't had that, you have to be careful changing their diapers. You've got to have to, like, shield yourself a little bit because they might prank you and pee on you while you're trying to change, and they can, they can get you good, right? Like, so long story short, like, if you're, if you're a pro, you can kind of change the diaper and shield yourself with that diaper at the same time. I, I can do that now. I couldn't do that then. I went through six diapers, Sick. He kept like he kept like pranking me, and I was just like, "But like, how much did you drink before you went to sleep?" Like, threw away six diapers. Finally, like the seventh one worked. The Bible says seven's the number of perfection, and you could say I handled the situation perfectly. I'm just bound to the book. I, you know, it is what it is. But um, I had to like change his PJs, seven diapers. I had to take a shower, and then hop back into bed, all right? And I was like, man, I am, I am far from perfect, and I understand, but I can show up. Like, if I can simplify this for myself, I'm like, I will be the farthest thing from perfect, but if I can emulate dad, our dad, Ryan, in any way possible, I'm like, man, I will be at the games. I will, you know, I will come home. I will, I will get them to church. I will, I will try, you know, and... Um, for any um, moms or dads in here who feel like, man, I'm trying and I am succeeding far less than what I want to succeed at. I, just, I really believe, uh, like the heart of the Father wants to tell you, thank you, just thank you for trying and you're doing better than you think you are. Um, so yeah, I mean, show up. Yeah, and I think what, like being a parent and we're saying this just in the trying to not get peed on phase, of being dads, but being a parent is hard, and I know that from talking to people who have raised kids who are out of their houses, and we went to some of these places where we see this like epidemic of absent fathers. Dads aren't around. It's broken families. It's broken people's lives. It's broken, you know, cultures, um, and it's, it's intimidating, and it's scary because I think you look at a, a person that you're now responsible for, and you know how imperfect you are, and so you're like, well, I don't want to screw this up. And I think a lot of people just say, well, it better me just not. And, and they bail. Uh, and I think what we, we gained through this experience and what we're talking about today is like us learning as sons about being fathers, not being experts on being fathers. But we, you start to feel for all these different people where you see these people who have been broken, um, maybe that didn't have a father themselves that was present. So they just repeat the same cycle like, like we do. And, and you start to feel grace for them. Uh, because they maybe weren't dealt a great hand either. And then you see these people who didn't have a dad or her dad wasn't present. Um, and, and I think maybe some of you in this room even, it's the feeling of like, I wasn't dealt the, the right hand, uh, but you haven't ever let your dad off the hook. 
And Father's Day is painful because all you can see is how he wasn't there, he was imperfect or whatever, and, and never look at, hey, what grace maybe does he need because he didn't, he didn't know what he was doing or he was scared or he was afraid to break me and so he did, but he didn't mean to. Uh, it's, a, it's a scary thing, it's a challenging thing and I look at my dad uh, and, and the name of my son uh, embodies kind of what I'm trying to get at here. His name's Ezekiel Harris Matat. And Ezekiel was this guy in the Bible. You read that book in the Old Testament, and it feels like you like, tripped acid and then opened up a book and have no idea what it's talking about. Um, it's about a guy who was in Babylon when Israel was in captivity. Guys, stop laughing. I'm talking about something really serious. Israel, Israel's in captivity, and this is the guy who's standing up and saying, here's what God's saying. In the midst of what everyone around you is saying, I'm willing to be a mouthpiece for what God's saying right now. And so Ezekiel, uh, this strong man, this game changer, and then uh, his middle name is Harris, which is my mom's, um, her parents' last name, her maiden name. My grandfather's last name is Harris, and we chose that name because him and my grandmother were such amazing, or are and were such amazing people. Um, and my last name, Matat, obviously my dad's last name, but Harris and Matat are not my son's biological lines on either side. Uh, my grandfather had uh, three dads, and his last name, Harris, came from his second dad. His first dad was a bank robber, lived this crazy life, and so my grandpa was dealt this really difficult hand. My dad was adopted, grew up with an alcoholic father, really difficult life, his whole upbringing, wondering who he was, why somebody rejected him, why somebody gave him away, and why he was in this family that his parents did their best, but was completely broken. And so my son has these last names that aren't really uh, who his family uh, is by blood, but we chose the names and we love it so much because all three of those names represent somebody who stopped and said, we're not going to listen to what everyone around us is saying anymore. We're going to listen to what God says. And my grandpa decided, I'm going to change the course for my family. I'm not going to go become a criminal. I'm not going to follow the footsteps or use the excuse that I wasn't dealt the hand that I should have been. I'm stopping right now. This is what God says about me. My family's going to live from that from now on. My dad, same thing. He said, my dad found himself in a bathtub, suicidal at the age of 18, and God met him in that moment and essentially said, this is my son, and I'm proud of you. And my dad said, I'm going to stop listening to what I've heard my whole life, what I think even. I'm going to listen to what God says about me, and for generations, my family will listen to what God says about them. And so, I speak to this as a product of that, and, and Doug can't, I mean, we're, we're talking about this as sons, and we're not the best example of who you strive to be in your life, I know that, but the trajectory of our sons' lives was changed long ago when other people decided this is what our family's going to be about. Now, it's like you, if you had gone to that baseball team and started to ask the kids, like, hey, what do you guys think about baseball? They, they have such a limited understanding of baseball, or you could ask a guy who was a professional athlete who knows all about sports, probably going to ask John Lynch about that in the same way that I think we make a choice when it comes to unconditional love to say, oh, I'm going to stop listening to what my dad said or my mom said or my friends say or my ex says or this person that's my enemy, whatever. That, I'm going to stop listening to what I say to myself. I'm going to choose to listen to what God says. And what he says is that he loves me unconditionally. And what he says is that he's proud of me. So I choose to believe that. And if people in this room right now make that decision today, 
there will be generations and there will be kids whose lives are different because you made that choice. And I can only say that because I have a dad and I have a grandpa who made a decision that now my son Ezekiel will have a different life because of. So good. Hey, can we make some noise for Ethan, guys? That's awesome. Thanks, bro. Um, and worship team, you guys can come up. Um, we'll finish here. Um, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, is actually the very next verse in this story. And uh, it was actually, let me see, in year 1227 was when they added uh, chapters into the Bible. So back in the day, this was just like one like, story that like, like just flowed, right? In 1227, they, they, they added chapters. In 1448, they, they added verses to help kind of make Scripture a little bit more bite-sized and easy to understand, and I can go find something, and it's great. It's great. It's also, it can be bad in moments like this because you, if you're like me, you, you finish John chapter 3, and you go, a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, and in he, with him I am well pleased, and you go, oh, that's great, and you close your Bible. I'm like, wow, that's so nice. I love that. Um, it actually continues. The story continues, and it goes straight to Matthew 4, verse 1. Right after the Father told Jesus this, it says this, and this won't be on the screen. I'm just going to read this to you. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And so up to this point, this 40-day period of time in the wilderness would be the toughest most challenging season that Jesus would walk through. And I, I just, it's not a coincidence that right before he was led into the wilderness, the Father came to him and affirmed him in his identity and who he was and says, hey, hey buddy, you're about to walk through it, and I'm going to remind you right now of who you are. You are my son. I love you, and I'm proud of you, right? I love you, and I'm proud of you. Because here's the thing, man, we all go through it. Like, you might be in it right now, whatever it is, right? Like heartbreak or a loss or loneliness or depression or um, like a, a Father's Day that reminds you of horrible memories. Like you, might be in, like, you might be about to go through it. And I just like, if Jesus needed to be reminded about this unconditional love and his identity, then don't you think we all need to also? Like, not just once and not just twice. Like, it, like Ethan said, it's not just a lightning bolt thing where you just know it, like, for the, for the rest of your life and you never have to be told again that you're loved and that there's some, there's some being. In fact, he's the creator of the universe out there who, who's crazy about you and crazy proud of you. Even if you do nothing else for the rest of your life to serve him, that he would still look at you and say, I'm so proud to call you my son. I am so proud to call you my daughter. So proud. I love you so much. He shows up and he speaks life. Shows up and he speaks life. And it's a decision. I feel like it's a mind, like there's two mindsets we have. I walk either in a mindset where I, like, like and it's kind of like my natural bent where it's like this self-rejection, self-deprecating mindset that does not receive unconditional love because I'm so focused on everything I'm not rather than what he is. And this other mindset that, that's ready to receive. And I decide daily which one of those I'm walking in. And, and if I'm here, it's, it's almost like no matter how many times people say it to me, it's like I don't hear it because of a mindset that I'm choosing to stay in, right? And like, I'm like, man, every kid, 
Every kid deserves to be annoyed with how much they hear those two statements in their life. I love you and I'm proud of you. I love you and I'm proud of you. Like from the time they're Zeke's age and Will's age to the time that they're back there in Kids Rock doing cutouts of David and Goliath, I'm, I love you and I'm proud of you. To their teen years, like Ethan, when I met him and he was a punk teenager who was too cool for school, you like that phrase right there, and, and, and he, like he was, you know, like I, I love you and I'm proud of you, and, and he's rolling his eyes at that, annoyed with it, but he's still gonna, he deserves to hear it every day to the point where we're adults sitting in here every Sunday evening and hearing somebody speak for the father and say he loves you and he's proud of you and you can't hear it enough and if three years from now you keep showing up and you're like I am so annoyed and so sick of how often you guys tell me that God likes me and he's not mad at me and he loves me and he's proud I don't care how annoyed you are as long as you believe it I really don't because it's not, the, it's not the child in you that's annoyed, it's the adult. The child in you is like, oh, like I'm receiving that. I need that because I'm going through it in my life and we need, we need life spoken over us. And I'm telling you, your father, our common denominator is speaking that over you like every second of every day. He loves you and he's proud of you. He loves you and he's proud of you because if you hear it enough, you'll start to believe it. That's why like some, like if you, hear like you're dumb enough, you'll start to actually believe it even though it's a lie and even though it's not true and even, even though that's from the pit of hell. If you hear from somebody that you, you, you'll never measure up or you're ugly or any of the, like these other lies the enemy whispers in our ears or people in our lives tell us, like, like smaller voices that are not the Father's. Like if you hear it enough, you'll start to believe it. And that's why, and here's the nerd in me, God the Father gave you a brain that is neuroplastic and is designed to be renewed. Like Paul says in Romans chapter 12, I will renew your mind back to its original design. God can rewrite thought patterns and mindsets in your mind and re, like retrain us to believe the like capital T truth. Instead of all these false truths that we walk around believing because somebody told me this about myself. And God is saying, no, 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 I'm, 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 in, I, like, I'm in the business of rewriting those narratives if you let me do it. I love you and I'm proud of you. I love you and I'm proud of you. And that's, that, is, that is not based on your worthiness. That is stamped on your birth certificate in heaven. And it's not going anywhere. And you'll hear that every time you walk through this door.